164 uh, through 66. I'm going to try to get through 66. Lord, help me. And um, uh, David in Psalm 64 and 65, both written by David. Again, he's running from his son Absalom, and he is uh, just trying to hide from him. And his son wanted to kill him. You know you got to be in bad shape when your son's after you trying to kill you, right? And so he is running for his life, and, and Psalm 66 is, is most likely written by King Hezekiah. And uh, the, the themes of these psalms that we're going to talk about tonight, Psalm 64, is this. Guide, God, hide me from the wicked. How many know that we need the Lord to hide us from the wicked? Right? Uh, how many would love the Lord to just put his, you know, in Psalm 91, put his wing over you when trouble comes and everyone else is getting, you know, but God's got, inflation's high, but God's got you right where you need to be. God's taking care of you. He's making a way where there seems to be no way. So how many would say, hey, God, hide me from the wicked, amen? And then Psalm 65 uh, is God uh, is our salvation. How many know that God is our salvation, Amen. Amen. All right. Quiet crowd. Amen. All right. Thank you. Come on now. And then uh, Psalm 66, praise God for his awesome work. So we're going to just kind of dive into these. So uh, this first theme is hide me from the wicked. Lord, hide me from the wicked. Psalm 64 verse 1 says this. Hear my voice, O God, in my complaint, preserve my life from dread of the enemy. So um, when you start this psalm, it sounds like a, 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 a lament psalm, which is like Psalm 13. If you go back, you can read it. It's a lamenting to the Lord, but it really is a contrast between the wicked and the righteous. How many know there's a difference between wicked people and righteous people? Right? There is a difference. There's the saints and there's the ain'ts, right? Come on, somebody, right? Um, there is a difference in those those two groups, but, but there's this contrast that he's he's getting at and and this is more of a wisdom psalm than a lament psalm so let's look at this the word complaint or uh in if you have a king james version it may say uh, mediation uh in 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 your version but it's better translated to contemplation everyone say contemplate all right so hear my voice oh my god in my contemplation preserve my life amen in my con- when i stop and i think about the goodness of god preserve my life from the dread of the enemy verse 2 hide me from the secret plots of the wicked from the throng of evil doers who wet their tongues like uh, swords who aim bitter words like arrows shooting from uh, the ambush at the blameless shooting at him suddenly and without fear. Anybody ever had somebody just come at you with their words and they feel like arrows just, you know, kind of jar and you're just kind of like, whoa, 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 what in the world's going on? And, and David has, has, he's in this moment. And how many know that David had received God's mercy in his life, right? How many remember David and Bathsheba, right? He failed miserably, right? He may, he should have been where on the, on the battlefield. He was not on the battlefield, and he found himself in a bad place, and, and, and he had prayed for forgiveness, and he received God's uh, mercies. But, but here's David after this moment. Absalom, his son, is running after him, and they're still shooting after him and, and trying to assassinate his character. The Bible says that Absalom would stand at the gate of Jerusalem, and when the poor pauper people would come into the gate, he would kind of like be a politician, and he would listen to their stories, and then he'd say, well, if I was king, this is what would happen. If I would, come on, sounds like a lot of politicians. If I was this, I this would happen, this, 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 you know. And he began to assassinate his father's character, and so he could try to overthrow his throne. But David, 
um, <coughs> excuse me, was being lied about and talked about, and people's words were, were trying to assassinate his character. You know what that is? Gossip. Come on, nobody likes to talk about gossip, right? Nobody likes to talk about the fact that sometimes our words, we, when we're talking about someone and they don't know that we're talking about them, come on, we are assassinating their character talking to someone else. You know what I've learned? When someone tells me something bad about someone else, that that person will probably tell someone else something bad about me. Come on, somebody, right? I'm getting down where it's real right here. And so, um, so you have to, to guard yourself. So, and this is what I know. Where, uh, where, where's the root of all this coming from? So let's look at this. Galatians, if you, if you, if you want to jump there, Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8, it says this. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. How many are glad that God is not mocked? But here's the reason why. For whatever one sows, that will he also what? Man, that's one of the big principles in the Bible. You reap what you sow. All right? Some of us pray, God, get me out of this situation. And God's like, you put yourself in that situation. Come on now. I know it's quiet. Verse 8, for the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap what? Corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. So, this is what happened. We're talking about David here. He had sowed a seed from the flesh, a sinfulness from a from a bad place. He had had uh, lied, or he had laid with Bathsheba, and he had lied and killed her husband. Come on, he went from adultery to murderer, man. So he hit two of the big ones in, in, in the Ten Commandments, right? And then he lied about uh, Uriah, and then had him killed. And then, uh, uh, and then, in Psalm fifty-one is his cry of repentance, where. Uh, there are ramifications. How many know that there are ramifications uh, or fruit is produced out of the root of sin in our lives? Right? Okay. So God's grace and mercy will forgive. Listen to me. God's grace and mercy will forgive iniquities. It does not wipe out the consequences of sin in our life. All right? That's, that's good. Good job, Pastor. God's grace and mercy will forgive iniquities, but it does not wipe out the consequence of our sins. So this is David, and he had done this, and he thought he had gone away with this. And some scholars believe that this was months and even years after this. The prophet Nathan comes in to talk to David, and he uses this story. And he says, hey, uh, imagine this guy, this farmer. He has all these sheep and all this, and, and then he sees a small, his neighbors have a pet sheep, and that's all they have. And this guy that has all these sheep goes over, and he grabs the pet sheep and steals it and takes it. And, and, and he looks at, at David and he says, what should, how should that person be dealt with? And David says this in 2 Samuel verse 12 and verses 5 through 7. He says, David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must what? Die is what he says. He must pay for that lamb four times over. Everyone say four times because he did such a thing and had no pity. And then the prophet Nathan, man, you got you to gotta love him, speaking with the Holy Ghost, giving him boldness. Verse 7, the prophet Nathan looks at David and says, you are that man. How many knows it takes a lot of boldness to tell the king, hey, you are a sinner. So this is what happened. This is interesting. So, so uh, it's, it's amazing to me because David, David says, hey, he should repay him what? 
four times. So let's look at this. David has four things happen to him. Come on, four things happen to him after all this. So number one, uh, Bathsheba becomes pregnant, and and the baby died, right? So, hey, there's there's judgment number one. The baby died. So look at this. And then, then so David had uh, other wives, and his oldest son was Am- Amnon. Everyone say Amnon. And so he had this sister who was from another from another mother, all right? I know he had lots of wives, but 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 his sister's name was Tamar and 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 his half sister. And what does he do? Amnon goes in and he rapes his half sister. This is in the Bible. This is crazy. This is David's dysfunctional family. The man after God's own heart had the most dysfunctional family. And then what happens? So so there's problem number 2. And this is Absalom's real sister, and so he gets upset. What does Absalom do? He goes and he kills his older brother Amnon. Come on, right? And then he rebels and he he goes away and he runs. And then so so we got we got one number one the baby died. Number two, uh, Amnon rapes Tamar, and then Absalom kills Amnon. So three judgments. Boom. So here's number four. So David on his deathbed. Check this out. On his deathbed, he's about to die. He's about to turn the kingdom over. To Solomon, and there's this other son called Adinajah, and he tried to take David's kingdom while he was on his deathbed. So four, boom, one, two, three, four. How many know that there are consequences to our sin? But I want you to catch this. I want you to catch this because this is super important. This is amazing to me. David said this, that man should die. But in these four judgments in his life, man, this this is crazy. And he was he was probably uh, pretty old in Psalm 51 when he when he wrote this and said, you know, uh, Lord, forgive me. Lord, wash me with hyssop. God, I, I have sinned. I have made a mistake. So four times, four times he he paid four times for a sin, just like he predicted. This is amazing. But watch this. He should have died because David said. He should die. But this is how good God is. God is merciful. How many know God is merciful? How many know that God shows grace? And he allowed him to live versus killing David. How many are so glad that God allowed you to live instead of taking you out because of the sin and the and the nastiness that you're in, that you put yourself in, and the grossness that you put yourself in? But God said, hey, I'm going to show you mercy, and I'm going to pull you out of this mess. David, after his Bathsheba moment, had nothing but turmoil and problems because sin has consequences. Yeah, God will wash your iniquities away, but sin has consequences. Can I tell you something? If you were to be driving down the road intoxicated and you were to hit somebody and you were to kill somebody, you and, and, and while you were in jail, you could pray, God, forgive me for, for killing this person. And God would forgive your iniquities, but there are consequences and there are laws against what you did. Come on. And you may have to spend the rest of your life in jail or whatever the case, many years of your life in jail because of the consequence of Sin. Sin has consequences, all right? Get that in your heart, but how many know that God is merciful? Amen. Verse 5. They hold fast to their evil purposes, talking about Absalom and those going against him. They talk of laying snares secretly, thinking, who can see them? They search out injustice, saying, we have accomplished a diligent search, for the inward mind and heart of a man are deep. All you wives, look at your husband and say, your inward parts and your heart are deep. No, that's, that's for everybody. David's enemies were, they were rummaging around in the past. They were trying to find stuff in his past. Boy, it sounds like politics, doesn't it? 
Somebody's running for office. Oh, but do you remember back in college and this and this and the, the rummage and they're trying to point out their flaws. And isn't that what the devil does? So, whoo, man, if your political party likes to do that, come on, somebody. Now, okay, pastor, you're preaching now, right? I'm, or you're meddling right now, right? But, but they're bringing out flaws, and the devil does that. He, he sometimes he uses, and sometimes the devil uses people to accomplish this in your life. He'll send people along your way to say, hey, weren't you a drug addict? Weren't you, didn't you do this? What do you mean you're saved? What do you mean you're righteous? And can I tell you what the devil is? He is the accuser of the brethren. If he wants to destroy you, if he wants to tell you that there is no hope and there is no grace and there is no mercy, and he wants to say you don't deserve grace, you don't deserve mercy. The Bible says this in that verse, who, who can see them? The wicked do not care or they do not know that there is one who sees them who will repay them. How many know that the Lord will fight your battles for you? what he told the children of Israel, hey, you only got to sit still. I will fight this thing for you. Verse 7 says this, but God, come on, here we go. Everyone say, but God shoots his arrow at them. Singular. And guess what? They are wounded what? Suddenly. Once. In verse 3, David speaks of their many arrows coming at him, but here he speaks of God's single arrow going at them. I I, I like this. God only needs one arrow because he does not miss. Right? You think Robin Hood's good. Oh, no, 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 no. God is so much better. He, he is so, so good. Come on. And, and, and it might be months. It might be years. It might be decades later. But in due time, how many know that God will come to your defense? And you can be sure when he pulls out his arrow and he lets it fly, it's going to hit its mark. Look at this, verse 8. They are brought to ruin with their own tongues turned against them. All who see them will wag their heads. Then all mankind fears, and they tell what God has brought about and ponder what he has done. So uh, the words and actions of, of David's enemies would, would eventually backfire on them, right? Have you ever done something and, and you thought, man, this is going my way, and then it backfired on you, right? I remember when I was growing up, my brother always picked on me, and I was mad at him at one time. And he was much bigger than me, four or five years older than me, probably 15, 16 years old. I was 11. How many know that when you, and I was scrawny when I was little. I'm not so scrawny anymore, but I was a little bitty old guy, and he was much bigger than me. And, and, and he was just making me mad, and I felt like I didn't have any defense. You ever felt like that in your life? And you're just like, I'm fighting a fight that I feel like I can't win. You know what I did one time, and he was bothering me, and I was frustrated with him, and he had hurt his ankle really bad, and and uh, and I thought I can't do anything to him because he'll punch me, he'll he'll do this, he'll tackle me, he'll put me on the ground and smash me and all this, and you know, and and he'll body slam me on the couch, and I was like, how can I get him back? I was like, how can I use my mind to get this guy back? And I'll never forget, I've got to catch him when he's vulnerable. Come on, right? Got to catch him when he's vulnerable. Well, one day, man, he was taking a shower. Come on now. And, and while he's in the shower, you know what I did? I went and got the biggest pitcher of ice cold water that I could get. Come on, right? And I opened the bathroom door really quietly. You know, and I walk in there, and he's taking a shower. And I took that water, and I dumped it over the top. And he was screaming, 
and he was jumping and yelling, and then my mom and dad got, man, that backfired on me. I got in trouble. Oh, it was, it was, it was not good. And so my, the enemy's actions are going to backfire on him. So the tragic proof uh, of this um, is, is when uh, David's, you know, he had a general that, that he really loved. He realized that Absalom would not take his advice. So this, this general that loved David, he told him, he said, hey, you should be doing this, Absalom. He had kind of turned towards Absalom's way, and Absalom said, no, I'm going to do what I want. And he had this pride, and then he realized, hey, this is not going to be good. This is going to backfire. We are doomed. If you look at that, you can find that in 2 Samuel verse 17, or uh, chapter 17, verse 23. But, but if I'm searching around, come on, here we go. If I'm searching around for someone's problem or past, bringing it up, bringing up their shortcomings and failures, guess what? It's going to eventually come back to me. Because what you reap, you will. Right? Oh, I'm looking for your, for your shortcomings. I'm going to point out all your flaws. Guess what? Someone's going to come along and point out all your flaws. God will not be mocked. And that's why in Galatians 5.15, you know, Paul would say this. Will you stop devouring each other? Will you stop eating each other up because you guys are fighting amongst each other? Look at this. Verse 10 says this. Let the righteous one rejoice in the Lord and take refuge in him. Let all upright in heart exult. So, I love this ending to this psalm, the fear of the enemy in verse 1. You know, he's, he's, he's worried about the enemy in verse 1, and then he turns to gladness by verse 10. Come on. Some of you, in your situation, you feel like you're at, at verse 1. But guess what? You're eventually going to get to verse 10, and you can say, I am victorious through the Lord. He's got my hand. Amen? It reminds me that David... Uh, that God, uh, that David, that God can deal with his enemies and that he should remind us that, that God can handle any situation that you're dealing with. How many feel like you're dealing with an impossible situation? How many have ever felt like you've, you're dealing with an impossible? God can deal with that situation. And you know what I love about this? At the end of this psalm, there's joy, there's confidence, and there's trust with God. And, and, and it can't be overstated because just guess what? God can. God can. Listen, you need to tell your heart. Some of you need to tell your heart right now. God can. God can. All right? Some of you have just said can't, 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 you know, can't, can't do anything, right? It's never did anything. God can. Everyone say God can. Come on. There you go. Some of you are getting it. By simply placing things in God's hand, guess what we can do? We can rest in his sovereign sovereignty and, and his sovereignty will for our lives. That God's got me. It's going to be all right. However the chips fall, it's going to be all right because God's got me. And how many know that's a place of joy? That word exult means to glory in God's goodness. When's the last time you just gloried in the goodness of God? Guess what? You don't have to do it on Sunday morning. I hope you would during worship. I hope you would during church service. I, I, but listen, you can glory in God's goodness when you're driving down the road. You can glory in God's goodness when you're on the treadmill at the gym. I do it all the time. People think, man, why does that guy cry on the treadmill? He must be working out really hard. No, God, please touch me over here. Just leave me alone, right? I do it all the time. Matter of fact, Wyatt's gotten to the place when we go to the gym together, he goes away from me when I get on there because, you know, I start listening to the music. Oh, thank you, Lord, you know. All right, I'm a big crybaby. It's all right. So, so this second psalm, Psalm 65, how many could say, would say this, that God is your salvation? Salvation, a, a psalm of David, another psalm of David. And Psalm 65 is a celebration of both the physical and the spiritual harvest. 
In David's day, it was a custom to celebrate the harvest with its first fruits. First crops come in, they give their first fruits to, they begin to celebrate, they begin to thank the Lord. And that, that, that crop that they had, it, it was a promise that they would have a great harvest in the later season. Begin to thank God for what was coming, not just what had just come. Come on, somebody, right? Uh, listen, that's a principle that we need to learn. In the, hey, uh, God's given me this right now. I thank him for that. But guess what? There's something better coming, and I just need to trust him a little bit longer. But it's, it's also, this is also not just a, a physical crop, but it's a prophecy of what will take place in the grand and glorious day when Jesus rules and reigns on this planet. Amen. So if you want to break this down, verses 1 through 4 and 65, we see God's grace. Uh, in verses 5 through 13, we see God's sovereignty, all right? Simple on that. God's grace and God's sovereignty. Verse uh, 1, uh, chapter 65, praise is due to you, all right, O God in Zion, and to you shall vows be performed. So praise is due to you or, or waits for you is what the King James Version says. It literally means this. Uh, another way that you could say that praise is silent before you. Well, what does that mean? <laughs> I know it sounds confusing. It, it means as equally as there is time to shout for joy, there is times where I need to be still in the goodness of God, right? Right? There, there's time for both. There's as much as I, I love to shout. Look, come on. How many of you come from Pentecostal backgrounds? Man, we, lo- we love to shout. Man, we love to get loud. Louder is better. Praise the Lord. Right? But there are moments where God's like, shh, contemplate on on my goodness. Be still and what? Know that I am God. There's moments where we got to, Lord, what are are you speaking in this moment? And they're both important. Both of them are are important. There's times where where we want to shout, but there's times where there's silence and I need to be reverent before his majesty. And there's times where... Man, I may need to jump for joy because God's been so good to me and God's just blessed me. And there's sometimes where I just got to hush up in his holiness. Amen. Verse 2 says this. Oh, you who hear prayer, you shall uh, th- you shall all f- flesh come. So um, it's saying this, consider this, open your our spiritual eyes and, and see a harvest. Here's what I'll, I'll tell you. We're, I would say m- the majority of people in here are seasoned Christians. And most of us have heard this our whole life, that God is going to send a great harvest, right? But here's the problem. Most of us that have sat in pews our whole life or sat in church our whole life, listen, we're nowhere near ready to go out and receive the harvest because we've, we've come for our own selfish ambition. And God is, is telling us, hey, would you open your eyes for the spiritual? Will you, will you look beyond your little world right here? Will you see, will you start being kingdom-minded and not so... I minded, come on, somebody, right? Not just a harvest of crops, but a harvest of souls, speaking uh, of the day of atonement. So look at this, verse, verse 3 says this, when iniquities prevail against me, you atone for our transgressions. Let me, let me put that in modern English for you. When I sin, God, you make it right. When I sin, Lord, you, you make it right. This, this day of atonement is talking of the day when when sin will be dealt, dealt with fully and, and redemption will uh, be completely paid. So um, I can tell you Ephesians 1.7 says this. In him we have redemption through what? His blood. Everyone say his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses. Everyone say the forgiveness of my trespasses. According to the riches of his grace. Everyone say grace. 
stone. <laughs> it took place in his death and his resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. That, that always makes me excited. Look at this, verse 4. Blessed is the one you choose and bring near to dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, the holiness of your temple. So this is amazing. David is aware of his own sinfulness. Here's the problem with us. Man, every one of us, we're all guilty of this. We sometimes, uh, you know, we're not even aware of our own sinful nature. Right? Sometimes we're good at pointing out everyone else's sinful nature, but then we don't want to deal with the pride in our life or the bitterness deep within us. Well, look at them. What about you? You know, and, and there's so many great illustrations in that, you know, uh, in the Bible that we can look at. So, um, and so he's aware of his sinfulness. So David, David is amazed that, that he was chosen to be part of God's family. God, I can't believe you would even choose me. I am amazed that God would choose me to pour into people's lives, to love on people, to lead them to Christ, to, to disciple them. It blows my mind. And every day you ought to get up and be like, God, I cannot believe that you love me. I cannot believe that you've shown mercy on me. You say, oh, I hear this all the time. And it's so easy. We just get so um, stuck in our ways. You ever just think, God, I'm amazed that you would love me. And I'm just amazed that you would just allow me to be part of your family. You, you ever do that? You ever just think about that, how good God's been to you? God, I'm just amazed that you would just allow me to be a small part of this, this thing. Lamentations 3.22 says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. So this tells me it's because of the Lord's mercies that I'm not consumed. Whew. I shouldn't be here. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Whew. It's the reason that I'm standing here today is because God's mercy, I, whether it's a hedge of protection, God protected me. God saved me. I should have died in a car accident. I should have died when I was younger. A lot of you don't even know the story. I, I fell off bleachers when I was little, and I fractured my skull when I was three years old, and I was supposed to be a vegetable and, and all kinds of things and just uh, things but God. Amen? And when I think of God's mercy, I rejoice at the fact that, that I'm even part of his kingdom, that I'm even blessed, that he would even see, see me fit to do his work. And guess what? He sees you fit to do his work. What do you mean? Oh, the, the days that, that you're doing stuff. Listen, you are uh, loving people. You are telling people about Jesus at your work. You are a living witness at your work. Don't tell people you're a Christian. Let them learn by how you live and how you talk and how you walk. Come on, somebody, right? Look at this, verse 5. By, by awesome deeds, you answer us with righteousness, O God, of our salvation, the hope of all the ends of the earth and the farthest seas. Verse 6, the one who by, by his strength established the mountains um, being girded with might. Verse 7, who stills the roaring of the seas, the roaring of our waves, the uh, tumult of all the peoples. Verse 8, so that those who dwell at the ends of the earth are in awe at your signs. You make uh, the going out of the morning and the evening to shout for joy. So the awesome power of God. Uh, at creation in the beginning, 
will only uh, one day be seen anew in the restoration of all things. Listen, God made it perfect at first, right? And God made it perfect and things were great. But guess what? It's going to be, we're going to come back to a restored time where God is going to restore things. How many know that God, God's voice can still calm a roaring sea? How many know that God's voice can still bring light into darkness? Right? Oh, you remember the story, Jesus in the, in the sea, and when he was asleep in the boat. And they're like, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And he'd already told them, we're going to go to the other side, right? <laughs> Come on. I'm already telling you. I'm giving you a little hint already. And they're scared, and they, the disciples wake him up, and they're like, there's a storm, and we're going to die. And what does Jesus do? You know, wipe the sleep out of his eyes. He's like, I, you messed up my nap. But no, he goes out there, and he says, you know, it's peace be still. <laughs> Muzzle. Weather, stop. Waves, stop. And they're amazed, right? So look at this. After the tribulation, come on. I'm not going to get deep into this, but after the tribulation, the mountains have blown up and islands have disappeared. Blood has been flowing. But uh, following God's demonstration of his power and his might after he judges this world. And uh, people are drawn to him coming from all corners of the earth. You can look that up. And there will be no false witnesses. Come on, somebody. There will be no cold. There will be no hateful attitudes. There will be no hot tempers, no flaring, no paganism, no false religion. It will all be cut down. What a day that will be. Perfect. Verse 9. You visit the earth and water it. You greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water. So two things in this verse um, could be talking about. When you say the river of God, um, how many like the rain? Rainfall through the earth. How many know we need? We always need rain. You go a long time without rain, it's a drought, right? And, and, and we don't think about it often, but when God lets it rain, come on, it's God's gracious provision to us as people. We don't think about it. When God lets it rain, guess what? Crops grow. Things happen. The hay comes up. The cows eat. Come on. How many like a good ribeye? Come on. Raise your hand up in here, right? The corn grows, right? We like corn around this, this place over here, right? And, and God's provision to us, it, it rains and we get crops. It's, it's God's great provision. God made a promise to Israel in, in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 12. He said, the Lord will open to you this good treasury, the heavens, to give the rain to your land and its season and to bless all the work of your hands, and you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. So uh, so it's talking about that first thing, rainfall to the earth. Here's the second thing it's speaking of, the river of God, um, is this. So what is that? The river that will flow from Jerusalem when Jesus returns. I know I'm going to a little bit deeper things here. On that day, when Jesus comes down, he's going to come down to the Mount of Olives. And the Bible says it's going to split in two. That's amazing, right? And last time he came riding on a donkey, but this time he's going to come down, come on, uh, on a white horse, come on, with a sword in his hand, come on, and, and just a, in power and in might. From, from the right side of the altar of the temple, a river will flow to the region of Engedi and the Dead Sea, causing that which had, has been dead, everyone say been dead, to turn and to what? Come back to life. Fruit trees. How many like fruit trees? I was talking to somebody about some fruit trees that we had in California, one of the houses that we lived at. And we had uh, tangerines, and we had 
oranges and we had grapefruits and anyone can have those grapefruits because they're not my favorite. And it was neat because I could go outside as long as I watered my trees. You know, when the season came, I could go out and grab an orange and whoo, it was good. Come on, somebody. Right. But but that's what what this is talking about. Revelation 22, that God is going to bring some things back and he is going to bring life where there has been death for a thousand years. Things will be that way, the way that they were supposed to before sin was figured into the equation. So it says this, you provide their grain. For you have prepared it. Verse 10. Your water, uh, you water its furrows abundantly, settling its ridges, softening it in showers and blessing its growth. Verse 11. You crown the year with your bounty. Your wagon tracks overflow with abundance. I like this. This is kind of the country version. Your wagon tracks overflow with abundance. Verse 12. The pasture of the wilderness overflow. The hills gird themselves with joy. Verse 18. The meadows clothe themselves with flocks, and the valleys deck themselves with grain. So um, just a little bit uh, of history here. The prophet Zacharias says that in the kingdom age to come, rain will fall everywhere except upon the people who refuse to worship the king. Amen. How many know that that we got to get into the flow of what God is doing? Amen. It's just, I know it's, it's plain and simple. In David's day, God's gift of rain resulted in green, lush fields and satisfied flocks, right? Abundance. Fat sheep. There. Right? Fat sheep and, 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 and livestock and just, just great things and goodness. So, so, too, is the gift of God's spirit. Come on. Listen to me. So, too, is the gift of God's spirit to us. God's trying to pour out on his people, and it, it, it always, listen, when God's spirit pours out, the rain of his present begins to, to come. Listen, there is always fruit produced within his people. How many would say, hey, pastor, I need God, I need the Holy Spirit to come and to rain on me. I need the Holy Spirit to come. I need him to pour on me. Matter of fact, I'm a little dry. I'm a little parched. I need him to come because, hey, my, I, need, I need my fruit to come, and I need it to be, be what God wants it to be. It, all, it always produces fruit, fruit that cannot be found anywhere else, and we find that fruit in Galatians 5.22. But here's what I'll tell you. God doesn't force that on anyone. If you're not wanting to chase God and you're, you're not wanting the reign of his presence, God will say, he'll give you your free will. But listen, I want to be a people that says this. Let it rain, let it rain, open the floodgates of heaven, let it rain, let it rain, open the floodgates of heaven, amen, amen, that's what we need, and it says this, they shout and they sing together for joy, because after the rain, hey, there's joy, amen. How many know that the Holy Spirit brings joy in your life? This song began with a hushed praise and ends with the shouts of joy. Why? Because this is what I like David. David, he looked, he always looked, he always looked ahead and he always looked up. 
No matter what his circumstance was, he always looked ahead and he always looked up. And, and listen, if you could posture yourself anyway in whatever trial and whatever circumstance, look ahead and say, God, what is next? And number one, God, my eyes are on you. And God will pull you up out of the, your pit of despair. Amen. And he'll give you joy. Come on. Right? Psalm 121. I'm going to read this whole psalm. Psalm 121 says this, verses 1 through 8. It says, I lift my eyes to the hills. Uh, I like this. So where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Verse 3, he will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Verse 5, the Lord is your keeper. Everyone say keeper. The Lord is your shade in your right hand. Come on. Uh, the sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. Verse 7, the Lord will keep you from all evil. Everyone say all. He will keep your life. Everyone say life. Verse 8, the Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. How many would say, hey, pastor, I need the Holy Spirit to reign on me because I need him to help me. I need to keep my eyes looking forward, and I need to keep my eyes looking up like David. And I may not be in that place right now. I may start quiet, but eventually I start thinking about the goodness of God and thinking about what he's going to do. Guess what? It takes me to a place, and I keep my eyes forward. And guess what? Joy comes in the morning. Amen? Amen. So when we start to look ahead and look up, we see God is our source, and God is our mercy, and God is our grace. You know what? We cannot help but sing and shout for joy. You know why? Because God is my salvation. Amen. Look at this. Verse, uh, chapter 66, and this, this is a simple title of, is this. How awesome are your works? How many know that God's works are awesome? So, uh, and I'm going to try to cruise through this. Most commentators believe this psalm was written by Hezekiah, King Hezekiah. How many know who King Hezekiah was? He's the one who prayed to God, and God gave him 15 years added to his life. Beautiful story. And the Lord delivered uh, Jerusalem from uh, this, in this particular story that we're going to talk about in this psalm that's kind of linked to it is this, where the Assyrians had surrounded Jerusalem. They had had it surrounded, and there was 185,000 Assyrians. That's a lot of Assyrians, right? And Isaiah prophesied this about that moment. He said that not one single arrow of the Assyrians' bows would make it to the walls. How many know that when God says something, he'll remember and he'll come through? So, and, and, and you guys remember, at just if you need a little history on that, that night the angel of the Lord came and, and, and slaughtered the entire army. What was Hezekiah and them doing? God will fight your battles. All you got to do is sit still, right? Woo, come on, somebody. I'm going to get in a holy shout up here. It seems Hezekiah, he wrote this as, as a celebration of the extraordinary event. I don't know about you, but if God killed 185,000 people on my behalf and the nation that I was a part of, I'd be pretty excited about it. I'd be like, God, you made a way where there seems to be no way. So the first 12 uh, verses, uh, and this is a song, the uh, uh, first 12 verses were sang by a choir. And we're going to do that tonight, okay? Everyone go, me, me. No, we're not going to do that. All right, the first 12 verses were sang by a choir, and then verses 13 through 20 were sung by a soloist. 
And some scholars believe that maybe even King Hezekiah sang it himself. I don't know. I think that would be pretty cool right there to, to experience this. Verse 66 says this. You ready to sing? I'm joking. Okay. Verse 66, <laughs> verse 1 says this. Shout for joy to God all the earth. And so the King James Version says, make a joyful noise. Come on, everyone. Come on. Somebody make a joyful noise in this house. That was terrible. I wish I had all the kids in here because, you know what, they don't even have to think about it. They just do it. You know what's great about a joyful noise? It doesn't take any skill. Right? All it takes is desire. <laughs> Woo! Joyful noise, it's just the desire. It, it doesn't even take skill, right? Even the worst singer in the world can do this. All right? So can you. Elbow your neighbor, say, so can you. Verse 2 says this, sing the glory of his name, give to him his glorious praises. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds, so great is your power that your enemies come cringing to you. Verse 4, all the earth worships you and sings praises to you. They sing praises to your name. Say, let's just stop and think about that for a moment. Stop and think about what God is saying in that moment. Hey, that's what that means. That break, Let's break it down. So Psalms uh, uh, the first stanza is verses 1 through 12. They deal with all the people and their relationship with the true one living God. Verses uh, 13 through 20, they deal. the second part of this deals with Israel and their relationship with the one true living God. So look at this, verse 5. Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds towards, his, uh, towards the children of man. So uh, those who, like the Assyrians, have the audacity to oppose God's people will see how powerful God is. What do you mean by that? Oh, the Bible says every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. I don't care what you believe. One day you're going to kneel down and say, Jesus Christ is Lord. I don't care if you're an atheist. I don't care what your uh, belief is. I don't, it doesn't matter. One day you will bow down. Amen. And, and, and the people that oppose God, they're going to find out just how powerful our God is. I mean, do you believe that? I'm not so sure you do. All right, do you? I mean, do you? Thank you. That's. I need somebody in here to wake up in this joint. Verse six. He turned the sea into dry land, and how many know this? That just like Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt toward the promised land, the Red Sea parted, and they walked around on muddy land. Right? It's dry. When God does something supernatural, he does it all the way, not just part of the way. They weren't, going, they weren't in their mucks out there going. No, they walked across on dry land. Amen. And God got them across. Look at this. They passed through the river on foot. And, and, and uh, there did we rejoice in him. So now remember, after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, the children of Israel, they made their way to the Jordan River, right? And they, they finally got there, and Moses, uh, you know, had died, and, and Joshua took over, and they, man, they just, they went forward. They went through the Jordan River. Again, God parted the water, of, and this time the Jordan River, and this time the water didn't part until uh, the priest stepped in. Come on, different, different scenario. They're holding the ark, and when the priest's feet hit the water, guess what? The water began to part, and it's amazing. You know, I, I think about this, you know. God parted the water. Sometimes we want Red Sea partings in our life, and God's saying, I, I need you to take a step of faith first. Come on, right? 
Nobody wants to hear that. We just want to see God do the miraculous, right? But sometimes God's like, hey, take that step of faith. And we do. And then we realize, oh, God's making a way where there, there didn't seem to be a way before. Amen. I, I love that. And so, um, and, so, and so they crossed the Jordan River, and, and they did so when it was dry. But look at this. Verse 7 says, who rules by his might forever, whose eyes keep watch on the nations. Let not the rebellious exalt themselves. And stop and think about this again. I don't care who it is. You know, some of the Israel's biggest enemies were the Assyrians, and they were mean, and they were bad. They were terrible people. The Canaanites, the people that they fought in the promised land, and the Egyptians. And, and, he, and, and the writer here is saying this, let them be warned. God's coming after you. Right? Oh, man, that's the worst thing. Man, have you ever... <laughs> Uh, maybe I shouldn't tell this story, but may, in high school, you know, maybe you, you, you talked a little bit too much. Maybe you let your alligator mouth get above your tadpole tail. Come on, right? And, and, and you started, started talking smack, and then somebody comes along, and they say, hey, let this be known, Skiles. When I catch you and no one's looking, you better watch your back, right? And, and that's, that's exactly what's happening here. Let me, let me put that in modern terms for the, uh, uh, whether it instead of Assyrians and Canaanites and Egyptians. But, hey, whether that be bondages, come on, somebody, whether that be sicknesses or anxiety, God can overcome whatever, whoever, whenever he wants to when he wants to move on behalf of his people. Amen? I like that. Think about that. Think about it. Think about it. Verse 8. Bless our God, O peoples. Let the sounds of his praises be heard. Who has kept our soul among the living and has not let our feet slip. For you, O God, have tested us. You have tried us as silver is tried. You brought us into the net. You laid a, 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 a crushing burden on our backs. You let men ride over our heads. We went through the fire and through the water, yet... You have brought us out to a place of abundance. So uh, I want you to stop and think about this for a moment. The purest metals, the purest ores are produced in the hottest fires. I, I don't like it. I didn't say you had to like it, but it's the truth. How many have been through some stuff? You know what I love about seasoned saints and seasoned pastors and people who have been through this? Man, they're seasoned. You know why? Because they've been through some things, and they've come out on the other side more purified than they were when they came in. So, so the Jewish people have, have been through some things, right? We can go through history and some times and some stormy situations, but, but there is still yet a purity that will take place in, in the Jewish people's life in the tribulation. And I've heard some people say, uh, why uh, why must we go through this, or why must they go through this? Because God, you know, in their own situation, they say, God, why do I have to go through this? Because God is refining you. You know, a lot of us struggle with the refining process, right? God is making you. He's shaping you. He's taking you. Oh, um, you know, I think back, I was I was thinking about this uh, Brad, Brad Tincher when he was in the hospital, and he kept he would go in for one thing, and they would send him home, and then he would go in for another thing. I mean, it was just this thing after thing after thing after thing, and I would go in, and 
we would cry and we would pray right there. And I just, we were just seeking God. But one thing that I can tell you that I heard Brad uh, say many, many times, he would look at me and he'd say, Pastor, God must have a big testimony for my life. And I said, he sure does, Brad. And listen, we have seen God do the miraculous in his life. Listen, and Brad called me, and man, he encourages my socks off like on a weekly basis. He calls me, he encourages me, he says, Pastor, I need to tell you this. And I'm like, yeah, come on, you just keep on encouraging me because I need to hear it. Oh, I love that. So the choir would sing through verses 12, and then there would be a solo for the next eight verses. And so I'm going to ask Brandon Banks to come up here and do the rest of it. I'm just joking. I'm, I'm playing says this, I will come into your house with burnt offerings. I will perform my vows to you that which my lips uttered and my mouth promised when I was in trouble. Have you ever made promises to God when you were in the middle of your storm? You say, God, if you get me out of this, I'll do this. Come on. God, if you do this, I, I'll, right? And, and I, those vows that I made, I, I will perform my vows to you that which my lips uttered and my mouth promised when I was in trouble. How many times do we not do what we say we were going to do? I will offer to you burnt offerings of fattened animals with the smoke of sacrifice of rams. I will, I will make an offering of bulls and goats. Selah. If, if, if Hezekiah is indeed the author, um, he no doubt felt pressured. He felt troubled. He felt concerned by the Assyrians. And here he says he will, he will go through it. With what he had promised. I'll go through it. I'll go through it. Wait a minute. And some of you say, wait a second, Pastor. Aren't we told to be careful not to make vows that we don't know and, and, and we'll let our yeses be yes and let our noes be no? You know, Ecclesiastes 5, uh, 4 through 5 says, you know, we shouldn't take vows lightly. But, but there is something wonderful that happens when we, when we make a heartfelt vow to the Lord. So uh, how many remember the story of Hannah in the Bible? Hannah, right? She she wanted a, a baby. She just God, I I, I Lord, if you bless me uh, with a child, Lord, if you give me a child, Lord, I will what I will give him to you. And you know what? The Lord heard that prayer. He heard that earnest heart, and and the Lord blessed her with Samuel, right? The prophet Samuel, one of the greatest prophets. How many know that when we make a vow to God and we come through with that vow, we have to honor God with that vow. God honors our commitment. To believe in him, to live for him, to honor him and give, give him our life. And God honors that kind of commitment. Verse 16 says this, come and hear all of you who fear God. I will tell what he has done for my soul. If my heart is overwhelmed with the goodness of God, his mercy, his love towards me. Then let me be the one who cannot be, who cannot keep my mouth shut. Let me be the one that is full of praise and adoration to God. I always tell this story because I don't have very many stories, but I love to get in the car with my dad. And if there's a moment of silence sometimes, we're just sitting there, and he'll just be like, thank you, Jesus. Scare me half to death all the time. You know what that is? Letting everyone know, letting my soul know, hey, I'm grateful, Lord, for what you've done for me. Uh, I will cry out, amen. Verse 17, I cried to him with my mouth, and high praise was on my tongue. Verse 18. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. So in his day of adversity, 
the Assyrian surrounding Jerusalem, Hezekiah, he cried to the Lord, right? Lord, I need your help. Knowing that if he harbored any sin, that the Lord would not hear his, hear his prayer, right? We don't like to talk about that. And I'll just say this. Man, have you ever felt like God wasn't hearing your prayers? Well, maybe you need to confess some things. Right? Oh, man, nobody wants to talk about that. Nobody does. You know, it's, hey, it, was, it was all good when we were talking about praising God, but don't, don't talk about confessing things because, you know, that's just being too real. And, and God would, would he'd, he'd know all my stuff. He already knows what's going on inside of you. Come on, right? Why do we struggle with confessing to him? God, I'm struggling with this right now. If you feel like your, your prayers aren't getting through, maybe, maybe try confessing your sins. It, it, it isn't that God is mad at you. Rather, he wants you walking according to his will. I want your heart right. It's not that I'm mad at you. I want your heart right. I want you, and he'll go silent. And sometimes we have to go back to Psalm 139, 23 and say, God, search my heart. Woo, I love that. Search my heart, Lord. I, if there's anything wrong in me, Lord, I confess it to you, God. Even the sins that I don't even know that I'm doing, the sins of commission, sins of omission, God, forgive me, God. Help me realize that. Peter says this. Maybe God's not answering your prayers, but he says this. Husbands, if you're not loving your wives properly, it will hinder your prayers. All right, you don't have to write that on the fridge, women. James says this, you have not because you ask not, because uh, you ask and you receive not because you ask amiss. God, give me a million dollars. God's like, man, if I gave you a million dollars, it would destroy your life, your marriage. You don't even know what you're asking. Right? We ask amiss. But uh, what are you saying, Pastor? When you don't see God answering your prayers, go before him and ask him, search my heart. If there's anything in me. Remove it. God, if this if it's hindering my prayers, help me. God, I, I confess those sins. God, forgive me of those sins and help me to walk upright. Look at this, verse 19 and 20. It says this, but truly God has listened. Amen? He has attended his voice to my prayer. Verse 20, blessed be God because he has not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love for me. So the psalmist declares it was not the purity of, of his heart. Uh, that God, that God heard. That, w that wasn't what God heard. No, it w it wasn't. It was not due to his religious prayers or his ability to pray these eloquent prayers. And no, no, that's not why God heard him. But it says, God heard my prayer because God's full of mercy. No other reason. He's just full of mercy. How many are you grateful that God is merciful and that He hears our prayers when we are not our best? Come on, somebody, right? And so, um, it just so th real fast, three things here. God, hide me from the wicked. God, in my life. God, Lord, when the wicked come in to consume me, God, they come to eat up my flesh. That's what Psalm 27 says. Lord, God, I, I pray, Lord, that you would raise up a standard against them. Amen. God, hide me from the wicked. And God, in the middle of knowing that, God, you are my salvation. Nothing else. God, you are my hope. God, you, you are what I lean on. You are my strong tower. Amen. And then the last thing is this. Lord, knowing that, that Lord, you, you take care of the enemy. Lord, that you've got me in the palm of your hand. The last thing that I can do is lift up my hands and say, God, thank you. 
Thank you. Thank you for your awesome words. Amen. Stand with me, if you will, really fast today. Lord, I